Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 3, Episode 7, Luxury Gulag with Matt Dan. It's kind of just like a pattern in my life of like identifying these uh, kind of contradictions and kind of trying to reconcile with them in some way. You know, it's like making a book about the future so we can talk about things happening now. And Today we're going to hear from Matt Dan, a multidisciplinary artist and animator making work set in Beaverton, Oregon. They are a co-founder of Nighttime Science, which is a comics and zines publication. They're currently working on Luxury Gulag, a point-and-click adventure game and a graphic novel. Here's Matt. My name is Matt Dan. I usually go by he or they. I'm 28 years old. I was born in Las Vegas, Nevada. Lived there until I was about five. My parents moved around a lot. Moved up to Oregon and lived in different places around Oregon. You know, I was homeschooled for a while. For some reason, people, when I tell people that, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. My dad worked in law enforcement. So there was some, you know, very kind of conservative, you know, we also, you know, took in a lot of foster kids and that kind of, was kind of wild to get a, a view up close of so many other, you know, kids my age growing up and their sort of experiences and also sort of the system that, you know, put them in the house. Um, you know, I grew up sort of religious is sort of, under this sort of a very branded, very um, very commercialized sort of Christianity with veggie tales and the Bible man and all this this stuff. It's kind of just like a pattern in my life of like identifying these uh, kind of contradictions and kind of trying to reconcile with them in some way. Yeah, so I've been I've been making animation and on and off in different contexts for probably the last 13 or 14 years or so. I kind of got started making little Lego animations in high school. And then from there, I started making more and more elaborate things. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to take an animation class during high school. And by the time I graduated, I had finished my first um, hand-drawn animated film. After that, uh, I say I went on like this misguided uh, like missions trip to Russia um, and kind of lost my religion through that experience. Definitely a sh- culture shock experience and all that. Um, it was kind of weird because in over there, it's like Baptists and evangelicals are kind of considered to be something of like a cult there. You're either like atheist or you're orthodox, you know, and everything else is is kind of looked down on because they, they were trying to basically create like American style commercial Christianity in Russia. So we were like passing around these things for, for like this, this concert, you know, and then the next somehow, I guess the, the FSB or some security agency heard about them next day. There's like 10, 10, you know, cops outside of the church or something just to kind of send a message. But, it was weird. Yeah, I just remember just talking to like random people on the streets, like what they were having us do, and just kind of having a moment of like, okay, what, what on earth am I doing here? 
you know, what am I, who do I think I am, you know? Yeah, I kind of realized, like, I don't know if I really believe this stuff that I'm spouting out, and maybe I'm just kind of, my motivation was, like, to go on a little adventure and all this stuff. So Voronezh is, is a train ride south from Moscow. You know, historical context, I guess, during World War II, that was kind of one of the points where um, the, the Nazi invasion kind of turned around. You know, so there are a lot of museums there for that that sort of thing. It's it's pretty, it's a really big deal there, you know. Yeah, I mean, because they, they, you know, they had like 20 million people die. So it's it's definitely like they're, from their point of view, it's like we did the work, you know. <laughs> you know, and the U.S. kind of came, came in afterwards and swooped that up. Yeah, it was really interesting to get that direct perspective there um you know i think i think i was somewhat disillusioned with christianity or religion by the time i went there after after that um you know i i came back home i enrolled in a portland community college and there i kept on taking art classes because i kind of knew i was really interested in art i wanted to be continue you know pursuing being an animator and i had i had a pretty good time at PCC. I did a lot of painting, figure sculpture, a lot of figurative work, theater. I got involved in the, the theater classes there and ended up doing a lot of video work for the theaters. And while I was there, I also made another short film called Pinko Cowboyo. And sort of towards the end of that, I was pretty resolute on going to art school. So, so eventually I settled on a PNCA. So I started getting into doing a lot of interactive installations. And you know, I, I, as an artist, I really enjoy getting into sort of the technical aspects of, of making things. Yeah, I made a lot of animated installations, interactive installations. Um, I enjoyed that for a bit, but after a while, sort of the novelty of it and just having it within an art space, it felt kind of like a one-liner to me. Kind of knew that I wanted to do more narrative-based work, but there was kind of a limit. You know, when you walk into a space and you kind of play with a thing and then you walk out, there was definitely a limit to you know, how much I could do with that. Um, finished my um, thesis at PNCA. I did it on... Um, environmentalism on pause in the 21st century you know it was it was a combination of sculptural work and some some animated video that i had made but it is basically about like that sense of that, that that disconnect from from this very urgent thing that's kind of hanging over our heads that uh kind of affects our you know survival um, Nighttime Science, we started around 2015. We originally started as sort of this community-oriented zine. We decided to to kind of focus it on Beaverton, Oregon, um, because me and Hector Estrada and Charlie Brewer, um, shout out to them, you know, we decided to collaborate on this project. And at first, we, we kind of put up, you know, posts on Craigslist and posts around around town and kind of just, you know, asking for submission, social media and such. H Hector and Charlie had, were born and raised there. I, I 
pretty much spent all my teenage years there. We kind of decided like there's nothing about this space and we're familiar with this space. Let's let's kind of talk to that a bit. You know, so we did a few issues that were just kind of compilations of poetry, uh, art, short stories, things like that. After a while, we kind of switched gears and started focusing on making artist editions with with artists who had submitted with us. Um, sort of do you know focusing on like let's let's kind of you know give give this to an artist and let them do whatever they want with it, and then we'll kind of pedal it around and and do this. Um, and uh, start started kind of taking it a little more seriously after that. You know, I think 20, 2016 elections were kind of a big point for us when we realized, like, hey, politics is life or death. You know, this isn't just, you know, silly. You know, you, you can't, like, just be absurd about this stuff forever. But, you know, around, around that time, you know, I had also had been wanting to you know, after push, pushing other people's stuff for a bit, I kind of wanted to to kind of make my own thing. So I, I came up one day when I was driving around, I kind of came up with the idea of, um, like, oh, what if I, you know, recontextualize Beaverton, Oregon as, as this, uh, as this, like, futuristic cyberpunk place. Like, what if I just took, uh, like Blade Runner and married it to, or actually more particularly, probably Akira and marry it to, you know, Beaverton, just to kind of also create this uncanny, you know, resonance between this very familiar mundane place and also like fictionalizing it in this kind of funny way. So we, we got to work on that, spent a few years on that. The project grew bigger and bigger and then we finished it and it's this 80 page long graphic novel. Yeah, we, um, we, we self published it. And, um, I think while I was, uh, working with other artists, I kind of figured out some things like, Oh, here's how I can like get an ISBN. Here's how I can just kind of contact, you know, different comic shops and we, we, we just kind of distribute it myself, you know, for sure, yeah. So Luxury Gulag is a two-part narrative project. It consists of a 22-page little graphic novel, and then it continues on with a point-and-click adventure game on the computer. So the premise of the game is that it's set in the same sort of universe as Beaverton 2200, but set in the people's utopia of Tacoma, and it's set in this rehabilitation center for reactionaries, Nazis, and jerks, you know, sort of people who, who can't really, you know, get along with it or get with the program. Um, see, the, the game itself is, is stylized after a lot of uh, point-and-click adventure games, like 90s humongous games like Freddy Fish, Putt-Putt, um, Secret of Monkey Island, stuff like that been working we've been working on it for the last three years or so and um through that process it's definitely evolved and grown quite a bit at first it was just going to be a like a little 16 page comic but as we kept writing on it and you know and elaborating on it kept um feeling like i felt like 
I wanted to say more with it. And it follows, you know, John Boy Boer on on his journey through the gulag. The goal of the game is to get John Boy through therapy, you know, and and as he as as you're playing through the game, you kind of find like you have a lot of other characters within the gulag who are kind of unsavory on their in their own ways and you you kind of um help them through through some of their issues yeah yeah i mean i hope people enjoy it and you know maybe they'll uh see some bits of themselves in the gulag as well um one thing that i did when i was kind of fleshing out some npcs and stuff is i put out this post on social media and i kind of made an announcement like, hey, I'm working on this game called Luxury Gulag, and it's about this cybernetic, futuristic, utopian rehabilitation center for, you know, reactionaries and jerks. And, and uh, you know, would you like to be in the Gulag? You know, so I made, a, I made a Google form, Google Sheet form for people to fill out. And I kind of put in a lot of questions in there, like, describe a time when you hurt somebody, you know, describe a time when you felt betrayed, how do you feel about therapy, you know, and, and um, I actually got pretty surprised because some of the questions were, were, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people started out filling out the forms as kind of being very jokey. And then by the end of the form, they're like, Oh my God, I feel like intense. This is intense, you know, you know, so, so there's a lot of people who I know, in real life who are kind of, you know, volunteered to be put in the gulag. A couple, a couple of things that I find work for me, you know, cause I'm either, I'm either in sort of a conceptual or, you know, kind of planning mode or I'm in sort of a more labor intensive, like, you know, labor mode where I'm like making animation or, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling kind of stuck or I have like an artist block and I just, I kind of feel like I've hit a wall. Um, something that someone once kind of told me is um, just like take, take, uh, just start, start writing down questions not really any answers. Don't try to, you know, don't try to answer anything. Just start writing questions and let the questions kind of weed into another question, another question. And, and um, that'll kind of, uh, you know, that'll kind of help open, open you up in a way um, rather than trying to just find answers and kind of lock things up. Um, I find that that kind of helps, helps kind of loosen my mind up a bit. Um, and then when I have like a lot of just work I have to do, um, that might be a little more redundant, like animation. Um, I find that just, like, if I, you know, enter my workspace or the studio, um, I'll just immediately get started and like, I'll set a timer for like five minutes or so to, to get over that initial, initial hump of, you know, I, where I don't really want to, you know, maybe don't feel like doing it. And then usually by the time the timer runs out, I'm kind of in my flow. And then that, that's, that's one technique I've found works for me. If you'd like to follow Matt's work, you can check out their website at nighttimescience.com. That's N-I-G-H-T-T-I-M-E 
S-C-I-E-N-C-E.com. Future Prairie is sponsored by 89.9 All Classical Portland, a classical radio station serving the Pacific Northwest. Tune in to their live programs, read their blogs, cover the classical music scene, and watch free online performances at allclassical.org. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please feel free to reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at futureprairie.